Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here's your host, Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts here on this Monday as we start a new week here in the middle of October. Good to have you with us on A Penny for Your Thoughts, News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM as well at 9.07. We have our Monday morning quarterback show going with you here this morning up until 11 o'clock as we do on Mondays throughout the football and the basketball season, and we've got both. Coming up this week, football against Penn State at 11, basketball against St. Francis of Illinois, exhibition play, NAIA school coming up at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. So we've got a lot to talk about in that regard. Uh, the uh, volleyball team played over the weekend, lost to Nebraska. We'll discuss that. We've got NFL football, Aaron Rodgers with another win against the Bears. He owns them. Well, that's what he says. <laughs> you know what his record is against the Bears? Tell me, I was going to guess 35 and 4. 22 and 5. 22 and 5, okay. With 55 I, I, touchdown passes and two more yesterday. And the Packers have won 20 of the last 23 against the Bears. So, unbelievable. Yeah, it used to be the maybe the best uh, rivalry in football. Now it's, mm-hmm. it's lopsided. Pretty lopsided. So, anyway, Packers fans, you can weigh in. Bears fans, you can weigh in, of course. Uh, Justin Fields uh, was the quarterback yesterday. Bears got a lead early in that game, but could not uh, maintain it. Uh, As far as uh, other news this week, down goes Iowa in college football. I got five reasons why that happened. You ready? I'll I'll take five, yeah. Okay. Bell, Mm -hmm. Bell, Bell. (laughs) (laughs) The fourth reason is that the perfect pass can't be defended. Mm Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy, they, they threw it to Bell. And you know yeah. what, Brom is really—he's really a good offensive. Not every game it works out for him necessarily. But by the way, guess who didn't play against Illinois this year? David Bell. You got it. That's right. That made all the difference. He'd have made Illinois a difference. led right up to the very end of that game, and but uh, Bell's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I mean, his record against Iowa in three three different games he's played against them—it's unbelievable. I can't cite the statistics, but it's. In the, I think over 300, well over 300 yards in receiving, and they just can't stop him. And I, I just, uh, I thought it was, um, I, I every now and then Brom comes up with that game, you know, like mm-hmm. the 49 points he got against Ohio State. Yep. You just, you, you have to respect him because they don't win them all by, by, the, by any means, but Purdue is dangerous with that passing game. I don't know anybody expected that, though. I mean, the way. No, I mean, you know I, what? I was anxious to watch it. Mm-hmm. I just thought Iowa is a low-scoring team, okay? Mm-hmm. They're a really good defensive team. What makes their defense so special, though, was 20 turnovers in those earlier games. You don't always get turnovers. That's right. They just don't always happen. Even if you try really hard, you might not get a turnover. <laughs> and uh, I think that and everything worked in, in Purdue's favor in this game. No turnovers. 
and a lot of completions, and Iowa just isn't very good offensively. They're the running game. They've got real questions about their their uh, their running game this year. Got the new polls out this morning. Georgia is still number one. Cincinnati is two. Yeah. In most of the polls, and uh, Alabama snuck back in there again. And well, uh, Iowa, I think, is down to 11th the last yeah, I saw. Iowa's number 11. By the way, the basketball poll is coming out at noon. Is that the right? preseason AP basketball poll. That will Where be Where will Illinois be? Yeah, that's a good somewhere question. Somewhere in the top 10, I, I would think. say top 10 somewhere. But I don't know. How high in the top 10, I don't know. But uh, Brad Underwood's team continues to practice. They're getting ready. They'll be playing on uh, Saturday night. We'll have both games for you right here on the radio, of course. And we'll take your comments and questions today. 217-356-9397 is our number. Text line, uh, Castle Heating and Cooling presents that, 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. Some really weird firings going on. Not, not just mm-hmm. Schilt, but I, I, you know, with the Cardinals, and I don't know. I, to this moment, I don't quite understand what it was that he wouldn't go along with as far as you know, the, the people upstairs. But um, I thought the Orgeron thing was kind of interesting. They mm-hmm. fire the guy at the end of the season. He's he's going to coach the rest of the way, and then they're going to pay him seventeen or eighteen million dollars, something like that. They just gave him a big extension here a couple of years. Isn't that insane? Yeah, he's going to be paid all the way through two thousand twenty-five annually, um, about a million a year. Unbelievable! No, it's, it's way more than a million. What am I talking about? He's, I think he's going to get. Seventeen million was it, or eighteen million? One of those two. Some numbers. big number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and his uh, record's incredible down there. Yeah. Twenty-one months ago, what did he do? Won a national mm-hmm. title. Yeah. That ought to get you five years, shouldn't it? <laughs> you would think. You know who's going to be uh, bouncing around down there is is uh, Greg McMahon. Mm-hmm. He's special teams coach for a long time, Illinois coach from Rantoul. Yep. And uh, you know Greg was with the uh, Saints for a long time. And he just stayed right there in Louisiana and moved over to uh, LSU. And he's been, in fact, you see him, if you watch the LSU games, he's always right next to the co- head coach because as special teams coach, he's got to be ready to mm-hmm. send in the kickers or send in whatever it is. And uh, now, I, you know, I don't know if he'll hook on with the next, who knows who the next coach is going to be. All right, nine twelve. We'll talk about all of that, and you can join us via the phone, text line, or email today on this Monday. Rest of this week, tomorrow we'll have some open line time in the first hour. Patrick Finkston's going to join us from the Illinois. We'll talk about these new congressional maps the Democrats just uh, drew and passed over in uh, Springfield, about to pass in Springfield. So we'll get into uh, that, and then also uh, we've got Judge Mike McCuskey with us on Wednesday. So that'll be fun to have the judge in and we'll continue with Illini Friday at the end of the week. Illinois Penn State this weekend got some numbers on that and also the Bears and Packers your thoughts on any or all of this welcome of course today on the Monday Morning Quarterback Show. Yeah Aaron Rodgers now with 22 and 5 record against the Chicago Bears Saw a little meme earlier this morning that showed uh, on Twitter had all the coach of the Bears, Matt Nagy, you know the McCuskey family, and it said owner Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, and he may have said something about that on his way off the field yesterday in the uh, Packers win. A lot of NFL uh, stories to talk about, of course, over the weekend. Major League Baseball continues as well with the playoffs. It's one thing I've not watched a lot of. I'm just uninterested in the Braves and Dodgers, but 
There have been two walk-off wins, though. Yeah, yeah. For Atlanta. So they've won at home. Now they've got to go and, and win in Los Angeles, which is always tough. But they, uh, they got through Scherzer. Scherzer said his arm was a little dead. He pitched in the ninth inning of the previous mm-hmm. game um, to get him past the Giants. And uh, maybe he didn't have enough time uh, to get ready. But he only gave up two runs. Gave up a long home run to Peterson. Boy, that Peterson is just murder right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, hit that He's ball. He's a former court. Cub, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, he, yeah. They, the Cubs let him go this uh, late yep. this season. And he uh, hit that ball over 450 feet. It's just a monster home run on a, on a breaking ball that did, really didn't have much break to it. And uh, uh, Scherzer, his, uh, his miles per hour were dro- was dropping from 93 to 91. And they, they took him out. And, you know, actually, he only pitched four and a third. And uh, all these games are coming down to, to pitchers that I don't know enough about. <laughs> I just you know they yeah. they change every inning it's it's just uh i it's you used to could you there was a time when you could you at least knew who the pitcher was going to be for each team for the first six or seven innings, mm-hmm. but not anymore nope, and the Dodgers started what a reliever in that yeah one game against the yeah. Giants there's a lot of that going just, on just to throw them out throw them off a little bit so by the way, you mentioned the n f l did you see Cowboys winning overtime against the Patriots, the Vikings winning overtime. Uh, the Steelers won in overtime against the Seahawks. Really nice win for them. Mm-hmm. And the Jaguars, get this, Shad Khan's team won not in overtime, but on the final kick of the game over in England. Yep. So, Had to go to London to get their first so, win. So many of those games just go right mm-hmm. down to the last, you know, a kick that's missed or a kick that's made. And it's just so, It's the league is so, uh, they just keep you there to the last second every game. Some Almost every game. Arizona Cardinals, best start since 1974. Mm-hmm. I think they were in St. Louis then, weren't they? I think in the mid-70s mm-hmm. at uh, Bush Stadium. But uh, they are uh, off to their best start, 6-0. and Had a 20 nothing lead in their game. Cleveland's Baker Mayfield uh, ret- uh, throwing for two touchdowns, 19 of 28 for 234. You mentioned Dak Prescott, 35-yard touchdown pass to CeCe Lamb in overtime. Gave the Cowboys a 35-29 win over the Patriots. Uh, that's the first time Dallas has beaten Bill Belichick in six meetings. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, his big day in Chicago, two touchdowns ran for another. By the way, that's the most yardage Belichick ever gave out, over 500 yards in a game. Is that right? Ever. Wow. To the Cowboys. Yeah. Different. Di- what a difference the quarterback Cow- makes. Huh, Cowboys, the Cowboys. Are, Cowboys are a good team this year. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 167 yards and a touchdown uh, in the win for uh, Baltimore. Joe Burrow, three scoring passes. The Bengals route the Lions. The Lions aren't very good, 38-34-11. Uh, this is interesting. The Rams beat the Giants, 38-11. He had two games with 11 points there. Hmm. You mentioned the Steelers with a uh, Chris Boswell field goal, third field goal of the game, 36-yarder in overtime. Patrick Mahomes threw for nearly 400 yards. In the Chiefs win over Washington, uh, 31-13. Derek Carr, first game for the Raiders since John Gruden stepped down. 341 yards, two touchdowns. Raiders beat to Denver. And the Vikings, 34-28. Again, the first possession of overtime. Kirk Cousins, a touchdown pass. And the Jaguars win for the first time in 20 games. 23-20 win over the Dolphins in London, and that field goal by Matthew Wright as the horn sounded, 53 yards. Urban Meyer, his first NFL win. The Colts get a win, 31-3 over the Texans. And that's Lovey's team. 
Yes, it the, is. The Texans. I always mention that. They gave up 31 points. So, so they not lose. Not good. So those are all the NFL results from uh, yesterday. 217-356-9397 is our number. Text line 217-351-5357. Here's a little odd note that came along uh, today. Uh, Jabari Parker has been released by the Celtics. Jabari Parker is one of the great mm. players in Illinois high school history. And on the same day, Okafer was let go. Mm. And he was another great one. You yes, know, he was. At, at the high school level, neither one of those guys ever became superstars in the N- NBA, although they got they made a little money. Oh, sure they did. So they did, they did fine, but yep. um, I, I was kind of surprised. I thought Parker was always going to be great, but he just never quite developed in the NBA. So the uh, college football poll, again, Georgia number one, Bearcats of Cincinnati, can they hold it? They're number two. Their schedule may hurt them along the way. Oklahoma's number three, Alabama and Ohio State, then Michigan, Penn State, Oklahoma State, Michigan State, and Oregon round out the top ten. I'd be curious to see if anybody bet that Michigan State would be 7-0 and at this point with their new coach. Well, I yeah, it's his second year. He, he's, uh, he's just brought in a bunch of uh, transfers, and they've gotten by in some close games, and I don't think they're a great team, but they've won. You know, I, I, that was a – first of all, the previous week, I mean, they they won a game in which they didn't have a – which game was it? Was it Penn State? They, not Penn State. Um, Nebraska? Yeah, Nebraska, they didn't have a They didn't have a first down in the entire second half or in the overtime and mm-hmm. still won. Yeah. That's hard to imagine. They've been winning games like that. And Indiana could have won that game just as easily. I watched a lot, as much of it as I could. I just thought Indiana was really close, but Michigan State's just got that, uh, they got that winning spirit going right now. How are they going to do when they play Michigan? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. There'll be some big matchups coming up here mm-hmm. as we get down the stretch. Yeah. Because all those teams in the East, somebody's going to have to lose at some you point. Bet. So they're playing each other. And, by the way, Purdue in the rankings, first time since 2007. I think that's the longest drought for a Power 5 school to not be ranked is the number I saw. Oh, So okay. Yeah, so Purdue in the rankings at 25 after their win. Well, okay, based you know, on basically based on one game. One game, basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was vulnerable. Mm-hmm. They really are. When you don't score much, I mean, they're really good defensively, but there's just no defense against a player like Bell. There's no, I don't know what you do. You put two people on him, I guess. He's murder. By the way, Illinois, big underdog at Penn State, as you might expect, uh, based on who's, you know, who's, how Penn State has played and so forth. Uh, the Illini, all time in Happy Valley, 1 and 10. Yeah. That one win was in 2010. They won 33 to 13. Now, last year, I know uh, we all probably had our hopes up in that first quarter, and then 42, 42-0 run by Penn State to finish out that game. They scored 56. So there's a reason why they're a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. It, there'd be a lot of people betting on the over there. And that was the morning, the day, that uh, Brett Bielema was hired mm-hmm. by Josh Whitman, and he was out in Happy Valley to watch the game. And it was 21-all after one quarter. And you know who the quarterback was? Yeah, Isaiah threw two Isaiah touchdown Williams. passes in the first quarter. Yeah. So never got to play quarterback again. Of course, switched to receiver, as we all know. 
925, your thoughts here as we get ready for football, basketball now about to overlap. We've got a couple of basketball questions here uh, as okay. well. And we'll get into that with Brad Underwood's team. And where are they going to be in the poll that comes out, you said, at noon, Yeah, we think. I, I, so. What do you think? They'll be in the t- – They'll be somewhere seven or eight. In there, I'd say eight to twelve, guess. somewhere in that range. I don't think they'll be that low as twelve. I mean, that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they should be in the top five personally, but they're human, and uh, they can make mistakes and they can lose games just like anybody else. But the, the, it's going to be an exciting season because they've got a point guard that's just extraordinary, and they've got a center that may be the best in the country. So. That's a couple of good impressive surrounded by veteran players. We'll talk about that as we go along. All right, we'll take a break. Lauren Tate is with me as we do on Monday mornings. Give us a call, text, or email. Starting to get some of those here as they come in this morning up until 11 o'clock. Sports talk coverage tonight, of course. Scott will be in studio at 4. You've got the guys at the Esquire at 5. Nancy Faye will be there yep. coming up after 5 o'clock. Women's basketball not that far away either. 9.26, a break. News headlines coming up on A Penny for Your Thoughts here on a Monday on DWS. A traditional estate planning focused on what will happen to your physical assets in the event of your death. As our lives become increasingly digital, it's imperative to account for your digital assets and information with a digital estate plan. Uh, Here's some of the things you can do. You can record all digital assets, their passwords and storage locations. Continually updates those as you get new accounts or passwords change. Write instructions for your executors describing how your digital life should be handled. Back up your data. If you store your digital assets in the cloud, be sure to back them up to a local computer or external storage device on a regular basis. And prepare or revise your estate planning documents to address digital assets and information. Include that all your documents, including wills, powers of attorney, and trusts, authorize an individual as the executor of your digital estate. It's a fairly new phenomenon. Busey Bank can uh, talk about it. They'll guide you through the process. Contact the Busey Wealth Management Team. Schedule an appointment at 1-800-67-BUSEY to discuss your plans and your wishes. 929 at News Talk 1400 DWS. And uh, Lauren mentioned uh, Ed Orgeron, the coach at LSU, he's he and the team parting companies, parting company, 21 months after they won the national title, Joe Burrow and company, beat Clemson in the championship game. Here's his record at LSU, okay, overall, 49-17. and 17. Not good enough. What's he done lately? He's, beat well, that's all it is, yeah. You know, they, they, I guess they announced this to him, or they informed him prior to the Florida game, so... And then they go out and beat Florida, but there were there the list of reasons in, in, included a lot of internal stuff that I wasn't aware of mm-hmm. that they're unhappy about with him. And, but it's not there's nothing for cause. I mean, he's going to get paid fully, mm-hmm. but uh, man, uh, I just don't know how you can get yourself in a position where you have to pay a guy for seventeen million dollars for the next, you know, in eighteen payments. That's so much money. It is. But they've got a lot of it, apparently. And you heard, you heard what he said. He said he's going to spend the next year just kind of taking things easy. <laughs> <laughs> he said he's got enough for a hamburger. 
Is that what he said? He's <laughs> he's an interesting guy. Very very quite a character. If yes, you ever, he is. You ever heard him talk? He's got that gravelly. Barely. I don't know what he says. Gravelly, <laughs> yeah, kind of Cajun like uh, talk. Yeah. You know, he's he's a good fit down there. Yeah, but uh, he's we thought. not anymore. <laughs> Forty nine and seventeen in six years went five and five last year. I don't know how you gauge last year, and then four and three this year, which is not good enough. At well, LSU. They're not getting the recruits like they were. That's their problem, man. Apparently not. I don't know. But six-year extension he got after the 2019 season, which is why. The year, bef- the year they won the championship, before that season, McMahon was back. And he told me, he said, you've never seen anything like the athletes we have. Oh, I bet. I mean, the, oh, you, yeah. what's it take to beat Alabama and Ohio State and the rest of them? Really, really good athletes. <laughs> but evidently, uh, they slipped a little bit in recruiting in the last year or two. 9.32, here is uh, Michael Kaiser with the news headlines, and then we'll come back with more Monday morning quarterbacking here. No football to quarterback from the weekend for Illinois. They are at Penn State and men's basketball. Got some text about that and some other NFL questions that have come in and one on the polls here as well. All straight ahead on the Monday morning quarterback show with Lawrence. We're on a penny for your thoughts. See our Monday morning quarterback show as we uh, start the overlap here of basketball and football for the University of Illinois. Volleyball, of course, uh, played over the weekend. Lost to a very good Nebraska team. They had 8,000 out there for volleyball at the Vanny Center. So they're, um, as you know, very crazy after, don't they? about Nebraska so far. And, of course, we've talked a lot of college football. Nebraska football did lose to Minnesota over the weekend. Iowa, of course, upset by Purdue. And uh, one poll has Purdue now in the top 25. The other poll has at number 25. UTSA. And they're 7-0. and Yep. The team that beat Illinois earlier this year. Yep. So maybe they're they were pretty up. good. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah. They are a good team. I mean, they're on the Conference USA. They might win Conference USA. But still, it's a lower level, isn't it? That's right. All right, here's a texter about college football rankings. They say college football rankings are about the silliest thing there is. Iowa was number two. Cincinnati, number two, question mark. They would each get destroyed by Oklahoma, Alabama, Ole Miss, and probably Ohio State. I don't know about Ole Miss, but all ranked lower. Oklahoma State is a seven-point underdog at Iowa State. Pretty sure those who vote don't even watch the games. Well, you can't. You can't watch them all. If you're covering Oklahoma, let's say, you cover the Oklahoma game, and then you write, and the games are all over when you're done working, and then you get the scores. Now, you may pick up a few things on uh, ESPN or whatever, but the guy's right. Nobody watches all the games. The the people that see the most games, the people at home, they get to bounce around from one game to another. But if we're, on, if we're in the stadium covering a game, what am I going to do? If I'm covering, uh, okay, we've got Penn State next week, mm-hmm. 11 o'clock game. When that game's over, I gotta, it's going to take me an hour before I can start writing because of the post-game stuff. This is going to take me two hours of writing at least. By the time I send my story in, I look up, and the 2.30 games are over. So, yeah. I'm, so I didn't see the 11 games. o'clock yeah. game because I was watching all those 11 o'clock games because I'm watching Illinois, and I didn't see the 2.30 games because I was busy, and I'm just one guy uh, like every other writer in the country. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. We and can't then you watch get, And then the West Coast games you can't stay up for. I mean, well, they're on so late. You're worn out. <laughs> you know, you're worn out by then, so... <laughs> So you you were a voter, right? For oh yeah, several years. I, I voted for years, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's just a guess. I mean, we do the best we can, 
they ask you to do it, and you do it. But, I mean, Scott Ritchie does a terrific job. I'm, I mean, but still, he's limited like everybody else. He's, he's busy. You're busy. I mean, you're working <laughs> right through the games on Saturday. Oh, that's absolutely right. So, And then the coaches are busy, too, on oh, their poll. Think? You think yeah. that the coaches are watching anything else other than film of the team they're going to play next? That's right. All week long, and they study it, and then they got the game, and then they got recruits coming in at night. They're not paying any attention to any other games. They're going to know the results. They'll know who won, but they won't know the details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so they, it is an inexact science. Oh, inexact? Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> who should be voting? Who should be voting, uh, yeah. Brian? I mean, tell um, me. Should we pick out a bunch of fans? Probably. <laughs> that would be the way to do it. Well, they see more than, you know, <laughs> let's get, uh, well, I, I, I better stay, stay away from all this, but th- th- this is a problem. I mean, so, so we, we have a, a, a rankings because people uh, talk about them. We're talking about them. Uh, we can argue about them. Uh, you know, is, two, is, you, uh, is San Antonio, should they be in the top 25s? We don't think probably if they played some of the teams that Illinois played, they'd, they'd probably have some losses, wouldn't they? You would think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've always wondered about it. And preseason polls are even, I mean, you haven't seen anybody play. You're just basing it all on what you think could happen. Yeah. And we're going to find that out and with we're Illinois find basketball. That at noon today, <laughs> what the preseason polls are, and then everybody's going to make a big deal out of. Well, somebody beat so and so who was ranked number six. Well, maybe they were ranked number six. Maybe they shouldn't be ranked number six. Maybe there's a lot of behind the scenes we don't know about such, such and such team. Uh, also, I was uh, we were talking about Illinois and Penn State that game last year that Penn State pulled away big in the second half. Brett Bielma's first day on the job. Mm-hmm. I went back and saw the. Uh, they had the football scoop news when Lovey Smith got fired as to who the coaches might be to replace Lovey Smith. Mm-hmm. And the first two mentioned were Lance Leopold, who's now mm-hmm. at Kansas. Right. The other one was Jeff Munkin, mm-hmm. who's the coach at Army, who just played Wisconsin right. the other night. I just found yeah. those, those were the headliners. Those, those were the names. Yeah. Uh, but I sent a message um, to one guy, and he just sent me back one word, Brett. Mm-hmm. And he spelled it wrong. And I was thinking, who, who's Brett? Who could Brett be? Yep. And it's Brett Bielema. And that's what turned out so to be. So it was a... Yeah. yeah. I just found that interesting that there was speculation back then in oh. December as to who the coach might be. Oh, I think those obviously. were the two we thought. Yeah. There were... The problem with Bielema in terms of our understanding of who we would hire is that we thought... There was there were, there were some things that happened at the end of the Wisconsin stretch that were not didn't sound good okay i mean he he had some problems there right at the end and he left and went to arkansas and um that didn't turn out particularly well hmm. so and then he went to the NF, nfl so i i kind of lost track of him i mean i kind of knew where he was but i didn't i didn't think we'd hire him and yet when when all the information came in i think that is a good hire mm-hmm. and i think it's a really good hire i think he's a the ideal guy for this situation now, this is a bad situation. We've been down a long time. Mm-hmm. Yep. No no winning seasons in ten years. No, I mean he's got he's gotta get it he's got a lot of work to do. So Yeah, it, it, and he knows how it. do you tr- how do you attract top players when you when your fans are leaving at halftime, which was what happened the last game, and how do you and and then when they go to Iowa, Wisconsin and, and, and around the 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 conference, even Minnesota 
the fan the fans are much more uh, much larger and more enthusiastic than our fans. Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing I the reason I brought up Jeff Munkin is because I watched their team play mm-hmm. Wisconsin the other yeah. day, and Wisconsin was noticeably bigger. Mm-hmm. Both sides of the line, it wasn't, Absolutely. and yet Army was within a touchdown at the end of the game. Now Wisconsin scored late, recovered a fumble late near the uh, the Army goal line, and punched it in. But what, I was, what, I, I just, and this was nothing Munkin against system work here. I know, and that's what I kept thinking. I kept thinking, would do just as a fan, would I want to watch this? Would Mike Leach's system, system work here? Yeah. That's the, that's I mean, the that's other. the opposite of the Army system, right? <laughs> Munkin and Munkin and Mike Leach are the two opposites, the, the two extremes. Right, of college football. Yeah. Throw it every time, everywhere, yeah. and the and Army a, just runs it's it. It's two interceptions real early against Alabama, and I just started watching something else. I thought, well, they can't do that and yeah. beat Alabama, <laughs> and they didn't. But uh, Army's kind of fun to watch. Uh, they are interesting to watch. Particularly yeah. when they play Navy. That's a good game. Yeah, it always is. All right, uh, 945 at DWS. Hi, Brian and Lauren. Can I take you guys back to the game between the Rams and the Seahawks? 38 seconds left in the game. Wilson was out due to a dislocated finger. Geno Smith was moving the Seahawks down by six. He throws an interception. But the reason it was picked, the intended receiver was clearly interfered with in his path to the ball. There was illegal contact beyond the first five yards, which threw the receiver's balance off, and he went down. Coach Carroll can't challenge in the last two minutes. Where was the booth review in New York, Richard says, on that? Don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> There's what... a lot of mistakes made. Yeah. I'm going to give you one now. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Five minutes to go. Minnesota leading by five. Five minutes to go and leading by five it's points. The Vikings or the No, Minnesota. The, the Gophers. Viking, uh, okay. uh, the Gophers. Okay. okay. Playing Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Fourth down and one on the own on their own forty four. They send the the punt team comes out and as they come out, Frost calls timeout, brings everybody back and they mm-hmm. discuss it, sends the kicker back out and they punt. Fourth and one, own forty four with five minutes to go. Mm. What do you think happened? It should lose, right? That's what we lost. We when we punt, we lose. He punted and he won. <laughs> exact same situation. Yeah. So that was Frost or Fleck that did that? Fleck. Fleck, yeah. PJ oh, Fleck. man. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm that's okay. Go. Oh, man. Yeah. Fleck. Fleck. Yeah. Fleck decided, decided to, to kick punt. It. Yeah. Which is what most coaches, I think, do. Do. Yeah. That's, the, that's always the In most cases. But there you'll find cases where they go for fourth and one, too. I mean, mm-hmm. we find, we see it both ways, but... But he did this. He had he almost the exact situation that Bielema faced, and Bielema faced it in consecutive games. A little bit different. One once he punted from the thirty some odd yard line, which is, you know, down there. I mean, right. when you're in the, deep in the, in territory, I'd I'd run it. But he punted, punted him back to the six yard line, and didn't work. Nine forty eight at DWS here on a penny for your thoughts with Lauren Tate. Blake Land is our producer today. Good to have you with us here this morning on this Monday. We'll continue with more phone calls, emails, and texts here on this Monday morning quarterback show. And we've got basketball. We'll talk about that as well straight ahead on Penny.
951, a penny for your thoughts. Tomorrow we'll do some open line talk. We'll talk about these congressional maps, what effect that could have on Rodney Davis from the congressional district in Illinois and what that means going forward with those districts. We'll talk with Patrick about that. Mike McCuskey, the judge, will join me on Wednesday at 9. And at 9.51, let's get ready for the judge on Wednesday. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what he says. Uh, Marty's with us. Good morning, Marty. Morning, Brian. Morning, Lauren. Morning. A couple things in answer to your question, Lauren, about uh, I think Brett Bielman is also the right guy. And how do you do it? Uh, you do what they did at Wisconsin under Alvarez. You get two- and three-star players that are underrated that you can coach up and get yourself competitive, and then you go find some three- and four-star players that are underrated that you can coach up. And uh, you find some defensive linemen. You build a defense in a kicking game, and you don't make mistakes on offense. It's not exciting like Mike White was, but it'll work. So that's one answer, and I hope they give him time, and I hope he gets it done. Now, here's, here's a, a thought. I don't know if you've thought about this, and maybe I missed early this morning. In baseball now, as we've turned to analytics, and it's dominated things, we see the three true outcomes. We see the disdain for batting average, for hitting the ball the other way. Uh, we'd rather pull it for power and hope we hit it out of the park. And we disdain the stolen base for the most part because the analytics people say it, it, it's not, it doesn't work out percentage-wise often enough, and we value the not having outs. Before you go on right there, tell me the yeah. last time anybody's been thrown out trying to steal of all the games you've watched in the last month. I don't not remember a single often. guy being not, thrown. I mean, I'm t- very, it's I like, agree with you. But if you notice last night, a game turned, a playoff game turned, and it's not the only one, on a stolen base and a ball hit the other way, away from the shift. Mm-hmm. I... I think the analytics people, and I don't know what they're based on, I, I've long thought the stolen, I'll put it this way, I think the Whitey Herzog teams with a bunch of switch hitters that put the ball in play and don't strike out and steal bases like crazy would drive today's teams nuts. I think they'd drive them nuts. Well, that's, there's also too much. That's assuming you can make contact against 100-mile-an-hour pitchers now. <laughs> they mm-hmm. weren't throwing that well, hard when, when in those days. They weren't. But, there's but, so many guys that can throw so hard. And you didn't have the shift yes, you have there, today either. No. Nope. Guys, there is, but if you're swinging to make contact, not swinging to hit the ball out of the ballpark, you can make contact with anything. It's not the 100-mile-an-hour that's the problem. It's the movement on 100-mile-an-hour with command and control. Well, yeah. If you throw 100 mile an hour over the plate, these guys hit it. I, I'm convinced that someday it's going to turn around and you're going to see those type of contact bats coming back. I mean, this little Madrigal kid that the Cubs got from the White Sox, you can't strike that sucker out. He puts the ball in play all the time. And there's other guys like that out there. Someday it's going to turn around back to speed, putting the ball in play. And it's A, it's a much more fun game to watch. Much more fun. Well, I, I agree with that. It's more fun. It's more fun if the ball's put in play. If you exactly. just if, if if the game's all home runs and strikeouts, that's not exactly exciting. Yep. No, it's not. And I think you can win doing that. It's just going to take a club that's willing to go against the current analytics uh, craze that's gone in and say, "Hey, the stolen base and putting the ball in play will 
will pay off because we're going to make the other team play defense and mm. and actually throw the ball to the right place and actually catch the ball. So anyway, yeah. just a thought. Good I thoughts. That game last night. Yep. Take care, guys, hey. and uh, look forward to basketball. I think it's going to be fun. I think yeah. it is too. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All right. Bye bye. Yep, that's an understatement. All right, uh, Brian. Yeah. If um, if analytics is running the game now, and we all agree it is, as you look at the CFC, you know that's, that's from analytics. Mm-hmm. But if guys are stealing bases, the analytics must, the analytical people must also approve of that. Otherwise, you, the manager couldn't let the guys run. Well, we had a caller one wants to know off air what's, what they're talking about when they say analytics. Well, but, uh, when you see the shift, they've taken, they've taken hundreds and thousands of, 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 Balls that are hit by all these different players, and they know where they're going to hit it, and they they're positioning the players where the, that particular batter is most likely to hit it. That's an analytical decision based on uh, all kinds of background. That's just one example. I would encourage our listener um, to check out the movie Moneyball, mm-hmm. which is Brad Pitt's in it. It's about the o- Oakland A's about mm-hmm. twenty years ago, mm-hmm. and it'll help you kind of understand. The argument even back then when it first came into being with Theo Epstein and others about using the raw numbers of what people, hitters, and fielders do rather than the gut feeling of a scout who says, oh, you need to play this guy here because that's what he does best. And they have numbers uh, by every pitcher against every batter and vice versa. So when this batter comes up, they know how many times uh, against this pitcher um, what he's done. Mm-hmm. How many time, How many hits he's got? Which direction he hits it? So they they can uh, align the the players according to where he's most likely to hit it. You, I don't know what would have happened with Ted Williams back in the day when he hit four oh six, but he wouldn't have hit four oh six against the shift because he pulled most everything. He hit most everything between center field and and, and in right field. And when you do that, you're going to have an extra fielder out there. And that makes a – I mean, it just put Carpenter right out of business for the Cardinals. That's just one example. It really hurt Rizzo, too. Rizzo's batting average mm-hmm. went, was affected by the fact that he liked to pull the ball. Now, that doesn't mean they don't hit occasionally the other way, but the percentages, the analytical people, they're just dealing with percentages. All right, real quick, I want to get this in before the top of the hour. We talked about Ed Orgeron. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the movie Blindside, if you saw the story with Michael Orr. He and a bunch of well-known coaches, and here they are trying to recruit Michael Orr in the movie. You'll hear him. Congratulations on getting hired. Thank you, ma'am. Boy, my dream job. Uh, coming a little late to the party. We're diehard rebels, so I'm going to pretty much give you a freaking roadmap, all right? Got it. LSU's out. Everybody knows Saban's going to the NFL. I don't want to name names, but on Michael's first two recruiting trips, somebody took him to a titty bar. That's terrible. Tell me about it. He had nightmares about it for weeks. So when he comes to visit, I want you to feed him Italian. He likes fettuccine Alfredo, and I want you to take him to a movie, not Chainsaw Massacre, because he'll just cover his eyes and get him in bed by 10. Got it? Yes, ma'am. All right. What about Tennessee? Mm. Breaks my heart, but they're still on the hunt. <clears throat> Former made SJ, sweet deal. I hear that kid can really pep up the gumbo. Mm. He's his daddy's boy. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Mike, do you love barbecue? I'll tell you what, Mike. You can go to a gas station and get the best barbecue you ever got in your life. It's a wonderful place to live. 
fried catfish, all the good food that we love to eat, and it's not good for us as football players, you're going to have it there, Mike, I promise you. And for you, SJ, this is what I can do. At Ole Miss, we have the Grove by the stadium. We walk it before every game in front of thousands of people. It's a sacred ritual, and I'm in front. Seen it a thousand times. Ever seen it from the front of the line? Next year, you and me lead the team. Tennessee offered to let me run on the field and flip the coin. That was from the blind side. Ed Orgeron. Okay. Then at Ole Miss, <laughs> recruiting Michael Orr. All right, WDWS, Champaign Urbana. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, WDWS. You can join in on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or send an email to talk at wdws.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. Hour number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts here on our Monday morning quarterback show as we begin the overlap this week of uh, football and basketball. Of course, lots of coverage on uh, Sports Talk. The guys will be at the Esquire with Nancy Fay tonight as the women's basketball team also gearing up and getting ready to go. Volleyball played over the weekend, soccer as well. Their season winding down for uh, soccer. And then the winter sports will be kicking up, wrestling, of course, men's and women's basketball, uh, et cetera, here as we go along. Major League Baseball playoffs, Braves lead the Dodgers two games to none. Eddie Rosario singling home the winning run in the ninth, two walk-off wins uh, in that series for Atlanta. And you say, well, why is Atlanta the home team? Well, because they won the division. That's why they have the home field advantage. The Dodgers were a wild-card team, as we all know. And in case you missed it, the... Um, City of Chicago has a championship. The WNBA championship goes to the Chicago Sky. Allie Quigley, 26 points. Candace Parker, 16 points, 3 rebounds. And Chicago, its first WNBA championship, win over Phoenix. So congratulations to the WNBA team in Chicago. And Io DeSumo still playing with the Bulls. Their regular season ought to be getting going here pretty soon. Yeah, they're just a couple of days away. Mm-hmm. And Georgie, last check, was still with the Nuggets, last I saw. Yeah, when we talked to Paul Clee, he said that he'll be with Grand Rapids probably when the season starts mm-hmm. with the G League team. Mm-hmm. But he got a pretty long look. Yeah, so yeah. that's good. So. Absolutely. And he's got a contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, good morning, Brian. Congrats to the LSU Tigers uh, over Florida. I'll miss Ed Orgeron, and congrats to Purdue over Iowa. Appreciate that, uh, Benny. And somebody asked, please explain betting the over. I've never been on sports. I don't know how. Thank you. Well, the, there's, a, there's, a, there's a gambling number on the number of points that you expect to be scored in a game. And mm-hmm. it, let's just say the number is 44. You, you think the... The, the combined score of the two teams is 44. Well, you bet the over, you think it's going to go 45 or more. Yeah, you bet so the under, you, bet, you think it's going to be fewer than 44. You can bet on about anything. Oh, yeah. But the over-under is a common one. Yeah, it is. If you think it's going to be a high-scoring game, a low-scoring game, or whatever the That's one uh, the thing that I've be. never paid much attention to. I mean, I should, I guess, because 
But I, I just don't, uh, I'm not interested in the over and under. I just not. Mm. No, me either. I, I stay away from that stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, 10-12 at DWS, Illinois and Penn State, they play. They played last year at Penn State. You say, why are they going to Penn State again? Well, because that game last year was an addition to the schedule that they did on that championship week where they had the Big Ten championship game, and then you played teams in the other division. How did a, you like as, that, by the way? How did I like it? Yeah, oh, the, I, whole, the whole idea yeah. of, of... I don't know. I I don't... I didn't like much of what... I mean, they just they had to throw things together last year, so it was kind of like a... Well, what I'm getting at is that when the season's over, uh, then you got the two champions, mm-hmm. the East and West champions. What's wrong with everybody? You know, the second-place team playing the second-place, yeah. third against third, fourth. I mean, why why do they get the extra game and, and the other team's not? Well, I don't know. You'd have to... Well, they're not going to do it. So they're not going to do it, no. Sure. But, uh, there, you know, there wasn't... Uh, the big interest in the game with Penn State a year ago was the fact that Brett Bielema was the new coach, and he was there on hand to watch, so... Uh, by the way, I mentioned the Illinois win in Happy Valley in 2010. That was the Texas Bowl year. Mikel Shore ran for 120 yards. Nate Bussey had a pick six. Derek Demke kicked four field goals okay. in that win. Shieldhouse had a touchdown pass to A.J. Jenkins. There's a name from the past. Uh, Jason Ford on a trick play threw a touchdown pass to Evan Wilson in that win, 33-13. That was Illinois' only win in Happy Valley. Uh, and the defense held Penn State to 235 total yards in that win. Now, a year later, they were there, and Illinois lost 10-7 to in the snow. That was the game, Paterno's last game. Yeah, that that was the game, wasn't it, where they they led 7-3? Yep. And went, got real conservative and, and punted. And they marched all the way down at the end of the game to win the game. And then Illinois had a chance to tie it in the snow. I can still see it. And the ball from Demke hit the upright. And that was the end of the uh, end of the game. And that was part of that six-game losing streak at the end of that mm-hmm. year. That uh, had, had Illinois won that game, I doubt that Zook would have been fired. I think you're right. But that, this just continued the losing streak. And then when it reached six, I think that uh, – I think that uh, that's when the decision was – well, I shouldn't say that's when the decision was made. There was a lot of discussion about it all along mm-hmm. that losing streak. But you got to remember, they won the first six. Yeah, they would have had seven wins mm-hmm. that year with that one. Yep. So um, – Well, the Minnesota game in the final game, they kind of came apart. Mm-hmm. I really remember that. Yeah, that, that – had they won the Penn State game, maybe the maybe some of the maybe the Minnesota game would have been different. Twenty fourteen game in Champaign. I think this is the Riley O'Toole game. They came back to win late, sixteen fourteen, kicked yeah. a field goal at the end that kept alive their bowl eligibility, and then they went up and I think beat Northwestern after that and got bowl eligible, the heart of Texas bowl. The Rose Bowl year, Illinois beat Penn State in Champaign, twenty seven twenty. That's Ben's return. Yes. Mm-hmm. In 07. Kickoff return. So, uh, and then the um, game last year, Jahan Dotson had two touchdown catches, 70 and 75 yards in that game against Illinois from Sean Clifford. And they had a 100-yard kickoff return. By well. the way, do you know Clifford's uh, uncertain for the game? I think, yeah, I've, I've heard. So he obviously got... Very likely up. that they, that he won't play if they hold him out for the next game, but we'll see. 
So anyway, uh, if you joined us late, we talked about Iowa losing to Purdue. Purdue's in the poll, one of the polls anyway, for the first time since uh, 07. UTSA is in that same poll in the 25th spot. And uh, at the top of the poll, Georgia's still clearly number one. Cincinnati, two. Uh, you've got uh, Oklahoma slipping in there uh, in their ball game after they uh, rolled past uh, TCU. And then um, Alabama's in there again, too. So that's what's the thing uh, about Alabama and Ohio State is that their losses won't hurt them if they win the rest of them. Mm -hmm. But in order to win the rest of them, Alabama's got to beat Georgia, assuming they both win their divisions. Yeah, so that's a big. That's that's right. You know, I would say if they have two losses, it'd be pretty hard to put them in the Final Four, wouldn't it? It would. Depending on what the other schools, what the other teams do, if Oklahoma continues to win, they're in there. They'd be in, and Cincinnati continues to win. I think they're going to be in, in the Final Four. That's why we've got to get this thing to eight or twelve or something. Oh, it's got to get, yeah, twelve is ideal. Mm-hmm. And I keep the reason I keep saying twelve is ideal is because the bottom eight teams get to play each other, and that that gives the top four teams a week off. But that also means that those other eight teams all have a real good chance to win mm-hmm. because they're going to be kind of equal. I think there's a big difference between the top four. And the next eight, there has been. Oh a big yeah, difference. has been over over the recent years, especially ten seventeen at uh, DWS. Let's see what Eric uh, has to say. Good morning, Eric. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, you were just talking about uh, recent Penn State Illinois games, and uh, Brian, I don't know if you were here for this, but Lauren, you probably remember the nineteen ninety four game, the twenty one nothing Illinois lead in the first quarter against that uh, Penn State team that had, like, all the pros and offense. Yeah, Collins, Collins, was, Collins. was the quarterback, yeah. That he big old full, what was that pick. fullback's name, Milner? He scored the winning touchdown, but they they marched 90, approximately 95 yards for the for the winning score. Right, right. Yeah, because that, that was at the time when you could still have ties, and they weren't playing for ties at that point. If you remember, they were down three, and they, they scored a touchdown. But <clears throat> I was at that game, and to this day, that's probably the best game I've ever seen in person. I mean, even though they lost the game, it was still just a fantastic game to watch. Some of the greatest games that Illinois has ever played at Memorial Stadium, they lost. And and the first one I remember was when we caught up with that number one ranked Ohio State team way back when I first got here in the 1960s. And uh, Illinois was behind 24 to nothing. Illinois scored 24 consecutive points, three touchdowns, and three extra points run with Johnson and um, Bargo, the two fullbacks, scored all those points. Mm-hmm. Although Naponic may have scored on, a, on an extra point. Uh, but, but basically, we're running right through the middle of the Ohio State line, and so we thought we had the game won. And then uh, Mickey Hogan knocked out the quarterback and, uh, on, a, on a legitimate play, and it looked like it was going to wind up in a tie. They brought in a substitute quarterback, Masajowski, or whatever his name was, and he throws... Uh, he he takes Ohio State right down the field for a touchdown, and mm-hmm. they win the game thirty-one to twenty-four. And it was one of the greatest games Illinois ever played, and we thought we at least tied them <laughs> twenty-four all. We came back. Well, I think about the Michigan game in two thousand too. Mm-hmm. That was a f- unbelievable yeah. game. Right, that the, was the, that was one of the impetuses for uh, for re- replay. I think yes, that game, or there yeah. was actually the two fumbles. Ohio State yeah. game a couple of years later, right? Yeah, two two fumbles and, were miscalled, right, Brian? Yeah. If they'd have gone, either we'd lost if both. Yeah, we well, they missed them. Yeah, if they'd have reviewed them, we probably mm-hmm. would have won them both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I was going one thing I want to mention. Remember, um, remember the start of the season, the Heisman Trophy favorite, Spencer Rattler, for Oklahoma. Yeah, he, he probably never see the he's never going to see the field again. The, the freshman they brought in, Williams looks better than he did by a, by a lot. Yeah, that kid was amazing against. This is going to be a real problem on determining who's going to win the Heisman this year because they're at this point at midseason. There's no clear. Well, let's put it a different way: the guys they thought were going to be the leaders are not the leaders. Mm-hmm. Well, I watched uh, the Tennessee uh, Ole Miss game, and that was a really good game. The quarterback for for Ole Miss, uh, Corral, that that kid's a true dual threat. Throws the ball, run. He ran it for almost 200 yards in that game. And that was a the Lane Kiffin coming back to Tennessee game. That was pretty pretty exciting. At the end, they had to pause it because people were throwing all kinds of garbage in the field. Hit him with a hit him with a golf ball and everything. But um, it was a that that that's a kid I keep your eyes on, Corral. But that's your true dual threat quarterback, somebody who can throw and run, not like Juice Williams who could run but can't really throw. So just some thoughts. Yeah, well, um, uh, Isaiah Williams got some looks from big schools like that when he came out of St. Louis. I mean, they were interested in him, mm-hmm. you know, for yeah. that reason. So I don't know. Right. Hey, thank you, Eric. Would, right, would we be, would we have won more games this year if Isaiah Williams is a quarterback? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's hard to know, hard yeah. to say, and that's one thing we'll learn. I we we think during the week, you'd have, to, what his... you'd have to have an entirely different offense. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's sure. not an offense that, that Bielema wants to run. Um, based on what he wants to do, he's made the right decision, but somebody else might have seen it differently and, and uh, use him as a running quarterback. And if he didn't get hurt, well, that's an, always a problem with running quarterbacks. Is, you know, and that's the great thing about Jackson and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, with the Ravens. My goodness, he's, he's just fantastic. Now, Purdue he, used three quarterbacks the other day. Yeah, and, and he really had them confused. He had Iowa confused early. And, you know, they were trying to get a, a reading. Well, if they bring this guy in, are they going to run or pass? You know, and mm-hmm. well, he, at first it looked like, the third quarterback was strictly a runner. It looked like that, and it looked like o- O'Connell or O'Donnell. O'Connell was mm-hmm. uh, going to be all Plummer, and O'Connell would be passing, but he sh- he changed it up as he went along. Jeff Jeff Brom's a good coach. Oh well, he's, he's he's he comes up with some really good uh, mm-hmm. game plans, and they don't all work. But I mean, gives them a fighting chance. Anytime that anytime you're playing them, you worry about that. Mm-hmm. 1023 at uh, Newstalk 1400 DWS. Uh, good morning, Brian and Lauren. Do you think Brad Underwood will try to run a zone defense at all this season? No. No? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, he's so dedicated to the man-to-man, and he he works so hard on the man, and he'll play the best defensive players when, it's, when it comes right down to it, with one exception. <laughs> Curbelo is going to be in there. I don't think Curbelo is one of their best five defenders, but he'll get by. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, he'll drop his zone in, but uh, yeah, just depends on the situation. But uh, also, were there any are there any private scrimmages the basketball team had against another team this year, like they've done in the past? I asked you about that yeah, earlier. I, I didn't know of any. I didn't either. Uh, thank you for the great show. They say so. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Ten twenty three at DWS talking about those super secret scrimmages that weren't so secret but nobody could attend, which we had a whole year of that mm-hmm. last year, basically, <laughs> games that nobody could attend. Yeah. Hopefully that uh, will not be the case this year. And I know uh, they're excited about the 
student, uh, the Orange Crush tickets being sold out. Uh, people were asking me last week if they were mailing tickets out. I got mine in the mail. So I'm sure others have, too, along the way. All right, uh, 1024, back in a moment. Ron, a penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 DWS on this Monday. All things basement tea. If you have some uh, leaks in your basement, some water coming in, maybe as you get ready for the winter, you've been putting off some projects all summer and thinking, oh, I'll get to it. Well, winter is coming, believe it or not. And uh, fall, hopefully, will be here at some point. It feels like fall today, anyway. All Things Basement E, it's a very strong company. They're the highest-rated, most-reviewed contractor in the industry and a top-ten basement E dealer. Their warranty is backed by the National Manufacturer's Warranty for extra peace of mind. So if you know you have a wet basement, basement wall cracks, bowing in the basement walls, ask the All Things Basement E company, Woods Basement Systems, for help. Here's the number, 888-935-4333, 935-4333, or go online to woodsbasementsystems.com. We'll have a doubleheader for you. We'll have all kinds of sports this weekend. We've got volleyball uh, coming up this weekend. We've got uh, Illinois football. We've got Illinois men's basketball, 8 o'clock on Saturday night, St. Francis of Illinois. The other exhibition game is against Indiana of Pennsylvania. That comes up, uh, I think, next Friday night, a week from Friday. And then you've got the Rutgers home game. Only two home football games left. Rutgers at the end of the month, and you got uh, after Thanksgiving Northwestern, and uh, the uh, high school. Are they both winnable, Brian? Uh, you would think so. You would think so. You would think so. Northwestern beat uh, Rutgers twenty-one-seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rutgers is not as is, is disappointing. I mean, I thought they. Th- I think they thought they were going to be a little better, but they've kind of fallen. And of course, Northwestern they always get better toward the end, so it makes you worry. It does, but even they, when they had a bad team. Yeah, when a bad team, they just they just keep playing. Of course, Illinois that's their bowl game. By the way, Northwestern honored the back to back Big Ten champions over the weekend. Gary Barnett was up in Evanston. I heard him interviewed by Dave Bennett on the radio. What's he doing now? Um, you know, I was trying to remember if he's. Um, I think he's living out in Colorado. I think I don't think he's, but okay. I didn't catch that part of the interview, but. But it was good to hear him again and had a pretty good linebacker mm-hmm. who's now their coach, of course. Now the coach. Who's doing pretty well. Uh, 1029 here at uh, DWS. A um, couple of things here. This was the debut in this uh, day and age, 1969, this particular date. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar made his pro debut with the Milwaukee Bucks. Really? On this day, 1969. One of the hardest things to do is to try to compare him with the other great players of the past. Mm-hmm. So it's always hard to compare a center. Was Jabbar better than who? I mean, was he better than, uh, well, I mean, was he better than Jordan? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, everybody would say no, but, boy, he was really a dominant player. He sure was. There were some great big men yeah, for all those years in the NBA, and that, of course, has changed now. If he was still in, if he is in the NBA now, they'd play a little different for him, wouldn't they? <laughs> wouldn't you throw that so. ball into him a little bit? You couldn't stop that sky hook. Yeah. Well, they threw it into Magic Johnson one game. Well, that's right. In, yeah. Know, well, Magic could do it all. Yeah. And he was kind of that first big guard. You know, Magic was so big at guard, uh, kind yeah. of revolutionized the game, too. There's a reason so. why they call him Magic. That's right. He was good. 10.30 at DWS. 
On a penny for your thoughts here this morning, Michael Kaiser has the news headlines. And uh, more with Lauren Tate. Want to talk a little basketball, too. What do you think of Illinois men's basketball here as we get ready to start it this week? Will you be at the State Farm Center on Saturday night at 8? Interesting to see what the crowd will be for those exhibition games after not being allowed in the arena last year. Here's Michael with the news. All right, it's been pretty quick this morning, hour and a half down. We've got about 20 minutes left here with Lauren Tate, Monday Morning Quarterback Show. Tomorrow we will have an open line the first hour, be joined by former DWS uh, newsman Patrick Finkston. He now has a, uh, a newsletter, among other things he does, which is the Illinois with a Z, and we'll talk about these congressional maps. What does it mean for Rodney Davis? What does it mean for the Republicans in the state? What about the Democrats? Some of the Democrats are upset about the map, too. Uh, and when you look at some of the districts, it's like, whoa, where, where'd that district come from? So anyway, you can um, talk it over with Patrick Finkston tomorrow. Mike McCuskey, the judge, will join us on Wednesday. If you need some repair work done on your vehicle, Dave Miller and Bill Gallo, very passionate about what they do. They truly care. They're hands-on in the business. And they work with all the insurance companies to ensure your vehicle is returned to factory safety specifications. Haley in Tolono says your company's exceptional through the entire process, my vehicle looked amazing. It's fabulous you guys touched up the extra areas that needed it and fixed a door ding as well. And uh, Doug in Champagne says the car was extremely clean. The fix took only one day. I was taken care of immediately when I arrived. Everything went very smooth and fast. Would definitely recommend Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair. So check out where they're at. They're on the south side of I-74 between the Neal and Prospect Exits. And uh, you can also um, give them a call or check them online, gallomiller.com. Got the two exhibition games for the men coming up uh, along the way, and then they'll open the season, and then it gets really tough sledding with some really good games here All right, Brian, early. If I told you that I can give you four names that are going to start, you ready? Okay, yep. Kofi and Curbelo. Yes. Frazier and Grandison. Okay. Who's your fifth? Yeah, see, that's the question. I don't know. And is it going to matter? No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It matters to fans because I mean, they all want to know who's going to start. Yeah. But, do you uh, run DeMonte out there? Do you run Hutcherson out there? Yeah. I mean, you could. Those are possibilities. Yeah. I mean, who else do you put in? I mean, well, it's, uh, do you want to go real big at the start? Omar Payne. Yeah, you can yeah, put Payne in that. there. Yeah. He battles inside with Kofi every day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting. But like I mean, you said this before, I don't think it it, oh. it matters who finishes the game, but um, I don't know who starts. I mean, you would figure Curbelo would be in there and Kofi, obviously. And Frazier. And Trent. Fra- Frazier. And, yeah. and, you know, I mean, when, when you start six, 17 of the last 18 games a year ago, Grandison, Mm-hmm. That makes a difference. I mean, they, he sees himself as a starter. They see him as a starter. They also see two or three other guys as starters. You know what's I don't funny? Think, I don't think it's going to be Plummer. I think Plummer's coming off the bench, and I think he'll, he, you know, he'll he'll be in there at one of the, maybe for Fraser or maybe Curbelo can't play forty minutes, so they've got to mm-hmm. move Fraser over to the one. I suppose at right. times. Don't who you plays think? the point when Curbelo's out? Well, it'll be Fraser, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and that's. Uh, it's a uh, wealth of riches that Brad Underwood has yeah. to who he can plug in. And this plumber young man can really shoot. He's, if you look mm-hmm. at his 
days uh, where he was playing before, of course, at Utah. He's a very good three-point shooter. And Hutcherson we've just seen in practice, I mean, as far as over the years. And um be interesting to see how he comes along. He's He's got a lot of talent. I, I just uh, I don't know if he'll start Hutcherson and Grandison, but I don't, I don't know how long it's been since we had a team with five fifth-year players. That's a lot of experience. Oh, it, is. it is. And where do the freshmen fit in in this? Bajemski and I think they pretty much they might fit in early, but they're they're going to have a hard time getting playing time when the when you get into the big games. But we play Marquette pretty early, and we play right. Missouri before Christmas, and you know uh, we got an Arizona game later on, and we got Cincinnati coming up in that tournament. And then we that first game of the tournament, Cincinnati, and could be playing Bruce Weber. You could be K State, yeah, yeah, potentially, yeah. So I don't know. There's some there's some good ones in there. They'll it'll be interesting to see um, how it comes together. By the way, Ubbin, they're doing a lot of work on Ubbin. I don't know if you've seen. Oh, I was in there the other day. I My mean, goodness, it's uh, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean the only thing that's left right now is the men's practice area. The women don't have a practice area. They're they're practicing north of the State Farm Center. And then when the men go over to State Farm Center, they go back to the men's uh, opening at at, at Auburn. But uh, that place, I don't know when. Uh, when are they going to finish that? I don't know I, when the dead. I, tra- uh, I think I knew it one time. Now I've forgotten more, just how long it's going to take. But it's not going to be done this year, this season. And there's a lot of um, now concrete. There's been a lot of dirt. Now there's some concrete or whatever bricks being laid or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, I, center I went, blocks and so they forth. don't even have stairs over there. You have to use the elevator. Oh, the stairs a, have been destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a real, uh, it's real interesting to see it. And of course, the facilities are going up for baseball and softball at the same time. So that oh, if you get a chance yeah. to drive by campus, you'll be uh, be pretty amazed. By the way, we were asking about what Gary Barnett's doing. He does color on Colorado football. Okay, on the radio is what he does. So uh, says Charlie and Morton. So we appreciate that. Ten forty one at DWS. Uh, emailer says when Abdul Jabbar was just starting out with the Bucks and Chamberlain was toward the end of his career, I saw something on a game that probably never happened again. In one trip down the court, Wilt Chamberlain blocked a right-handed skyhook and a left-handed skyhook. Amazing stat when Wilt averaged 50 points per game, his rebounding went down to 25.4 from 27.2. He led the league in assists one year as well. Chamberlain yeah. did. He'd throw it into him on that high post, and he'd just hand it off to whoever was open. Never fouled out. Made 28 free throws during his 100-point game and averaged 48 and a half minutes a game that year. The pro game is currently 48 minutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's, uh, the game has changed a lot since he was playing. Uh, 10.42 at uh, DWS. That skyhook, though, was, uh, was really something. Uh, let's go to the phones again. We've got Mark on the line. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. I have a question about the Purdue game. I don't know if you saw it or not, where uh, the Purdue receiver, um, Bell, I believe, was in the corner. He uh, tried to stretch out for a touchdown. The ball hit the pylon, and so the announcers thought that he was on, like, the one-inch line, and then when he came back from break, uh, break he has actually lost the ball, and it was a third down play. They ruled it was a touchback. Yeah, it was definitely a touchback because the ball got the ball left uh, hand about. By the way, that wasn't Bell, was it? I'm, I don't think that was Bell, but 
Anyway, the 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 the, the, the receiver for Purdue reached mm-hmm. out for the pylon and was about a foot short. The ball came out of his hand and hit the pylon, making it a touchback. And that was that was Iowa's yeah. ball on the twenty. If he had had the ball and touched the pylon, yeah. it's a touchdown. Yeah, but it, it, and they okay, called it a so touchdown. It Right. Okay. So they said that the ball left his hand before he touched the pylon. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, it clearly did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once once they okay. showed the once the review of it, but the uh, the the official called a touchdown. He couldn't tell that the ball left his hand, but when they showed it, okay. it, it was clearly out of his hand. Okay. They made the right okay. call well, uh, eventually, thanks to the review. Yeah. Well, they didn't explain it coming out or I didn't pay attention well enough to understand how that wasn't because my view was that the ball went in his hand when he hit the pylon which I thought was a touchdown yeah well it, it would have been a touchdown I mean, if, if you see yeah okay yeah just, okay I didn't realize that the ball left his hand just mm-hmm. prior yeah yep. okay thank all right you. thank you mm-hmm. yeah that's Bye-bye. always a, that's always a tricky one right there yeah and and that would have uh, you know that was another touchdown that Purdue didn't get mm-hmm. that's right yeah, they they were. I I tuned in and I thought, oh well, that's nice. They're ahead. That'll be you know, I will come back and eventually get them. As they did against uh, Penn against State. Penn State and Penn State's a better team than Purdue. And then it was like, what? And I started getting all these texts. Are you watching this? And uh, just never. I just never time, got going. Every time they needed yardage, they threw the ball to Bell. Mm-hmm. It was un- uncanny what he did. What he wind up with two hundred and some yards. Oh I yeah, I forgot the mm-hmm. number. It was just. Ridiculous. He was just so dominant. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Pretty close to the best individual performance I've seen mm-hmm. in a in a game that really mattered. You know, there've been some high numbers run up by guys against weaker teams, but this is a this was an underdog team going out and winning because of one guy. Yeah, I don't know what the spread was before the game on it, but uh, Purdue had not defeated a number two team on the road. Since they won at Notre Dame in 1974, is that right? It had been that long. It just shows you how difficult and how surprising that was to see that. I mean, when you when you zero in on it, you say, "Well, it wouldn't be that surprising." But when you first you well, saw Purdue at Iowa, and you saw what Iowa did, and they're number two in the country, and yeah, but you keep then, you know you say they're number two. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, but were they really number two? Okay, I guess they were yeah. based on what everybody. But you know, Iowa had some real shortcomings and the people that follow Iowa know that offensively they're 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 mediocre they're really good defensively and they had 20 turnovers right. in those earlier games and when you have turnovers and you're good defensively uh that changes games in in your favor but they didn't get any turnovers in this game that I remember I don't well, recall well e- even over the years when Iowa has been favored over Illinois for example you always feel like you're going to be in the game because yes. Iowa plays yes. defense and they play field position and they do all that and you're always within 10 points or whatever and you think oh you know well, I remember thinking when, when we went when we played Purdue this year if Bell doesn't play we got a chance mm-hmm. nobody receives is I mean they just he's just tremendous he's from Indianapolis he's just been a star since the first day he arrived he He'll he'll be a first round draft pick this year, a high first round draft pick this year. Mm-hmm. And he was overshadowed by Rondale Moore. Well, yeah, he was. Uh, when you say Rondale Moore got there before he did, right? But once they had both of them, they they could never quite consistently get both of them together. One was hurt, or the other was hurt. Yep, and one wore three, and one wore four. <laughs> I remember that, and that's my business. Uh, Ten forty seven at DWS. <laughs> 
Bob is with us. Good morning, Bob. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm calling in about the, the baseball play at the end of the series with the Giants and Dodgers, I believe, uh, where the umpire on first base called the player out because he thought he went around uh, with his swing, and I don't think the batter thought that he went around, and I was wondering why the the uh, f- uh, baseball uh, people that do the uh, instant replays, why couldn't that be a reviewable call uh, from the box by somebody in New York looking at that play and saying yes? And and that seems to be one. How many of the, the first base umpires, umpires say, well, yeah, he went just a, a split second further than he should have with his wrist, so yeah, that that's an out or a strike, or it's not a strike, he didn't go around. And that's a really tough call to make that at the end of, the, of a season – for one team, you shouldn't end a game on, a, on an umpire making a call from first base. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's it, a call. That, it's it, a judgment call. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's part of the difference is it's like if you're trying to determine if a guy beat a guy to first base. If you're trying to get a – you can either see – they make the call, but you can see on the video pretty clearly his foot either made it or he didn't. Right. For on the, the most part. They don't review that, uh, that, that judgment call on a swing. Right. A swing is much harder to judge. It's like trying to review a balk. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, well, exactly. I saw it, but that's the way I rule it. And it's Right. Well, is, is that one where baseball could come along and say, okay, that's, that's the end of the season for another team. No. We shouldn't end without uh, some, something in play or the home plate umpire making the call. And the home, pl- home plate umpire can't make that call. Necessary. That's right. So it has I mean, he to be could somebody. if he wanted to, but I mean, that's why they always look down. They, they look down because that umpire at first base, he's trying to make sure that bat gets across the plate. He can right. see, he, and most of the time, they're, I mean, it's really a tough call. Yeah. I don't think you make yeah. a decision based on where it's the last player, or the first player, or the middle player. No, I mean, they're not, not going to do it's that. It's a judgment, and then once he's decided, it's over. And Bob, they're yep. trying to make the game shorter, not longer. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for taking my call. All right. They're not very, succeeding. Very in that. They're not succeeding. These these games are ridiculously long. I, know. I mean, commercial breaks are longer. I mean, everything is longer. Uh, Howard, good morning. Morning, guys. Uh, Lauren, is there a point spread on our game with Penn State? Yeah, uh, twenty three and a half, I guess. Yeah. If you listen to Brent Musburger's thing coming up, it'll tell you exactly. But I think it's twenty three and a half. Oh. Has has the Cardinals uh, zeroed in on a manager yet? Well, we don't know. I mean, they, he surely got an idea. I, I think Mo's got an idea what he wants to do, don't you? How about Tony LaRusso? <laughs> Tony I had just heard signed up. The former manager of Cleveland was a front runner. Well, well Francona. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be good. I don't know. I I, I don't know what they're what they're doing. They're it's a mystery to me. Lauren, what happened at LSU with the coach? A lot of things that they uh, that were behind the scenes that we're not aware of. Uh, in addition to the fact they went five and five last year, and then they they're having four trouble, and three, four and three this year, and they were three and three before the uh, before the Florida game, uh, and of course uh, they beat Florida, but uh, the decision was made before the game, I guess. That's an indication of how tough it is to stay on top every year, like oh. Alabama and Florida and those guys. Yeah, do. but there's more to it than the, than the results. But the results are a big part of it. Yeah. If he wins all his game, they forget about the other stuff. Yeah. Well, do they have some administration problems down there? 
Well, I don't know. They got a new athletic uh, athletic director, Woodward. I I don't I don't know anything about administration problems. Do you, Brian? I, I haven't heard anything. No. But. Because when Ben Simmons declared for the draft, uh, he said he never went to class once when he was in school. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you hear things anecdotally like that, but I don't know if it's an at you know academic wide issue at some of those schools or not. I don't. Yeah, he said he'd go to the, get to the classroom, walk in one door, and walk out the other. Well. So that that sounds kind of typical for maybe the SEC. I don't. I'm not. I don't know. Well, I don't know, sir. But thank you. All right. See you later. Appreciate it, uh, Jeff uh, Kenyon over at uh, Castle Home Comfort. I want to remind our first responders: eighty nine fifty for a tune up, eighty nine fifty for a tune up for your furnace and your air conditioner. That's two for the price of one. So make sure you uh, take advantage of that. If you are a first responder, let them know, and they will uh, be glad to do that. 217-352-2800. 217-352-2800. At always, the $78 service fee, on-call technicians, 24-7. All available to you at the folks at Castle Home Comfort. 1052, uh, our caller was asking about uh, the point spread. Well, here you go. Brent Musburger in the desert. His guy's in the desert. With the update. We'll have uh, Patrick Finkson on with us tomorrow in the second hour. We'll talk about the congressional maps. We'll take your phone calls, emails, and texts on an open line tomorrow in the first hour. On uh, Wednesday, we'll have Judge Mike McCuskey with us along the way as we work our way through this week here in October. All right, on this day in history, 1977. Reggie Jackson stepped to the plate on three different occasions and hit three home runs on three consecutive pitches, three at-bats, for the Yankees against the Dodgers. And here's Mr. What, October. Mr. October. This is what made him that name, Mr. October. Here you go, back in the time machine. Reggie Jackson. Long drive right field. Oh, it is. Goodbye. A big, big World Series for Reggie Jackson. on the TV call was um, Keith uh, Jackson mm-hmm. and Howard Cosell uh-huh. were on the call of that game. By the way, did you hear the mention of Bert Hooten? I did hear He's that. He's the first guy I ever, ever knew that threw a knuckle curve. Oh, I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were others, but I, I just, what's a knuckle curve? Yeah, Mike Lucina came along later for mm-hmm. the Orioles and threw one of those. Why would you? I don't yeah, get it. I don't know. It was a weird grip. I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> kind of half and half. So. Yeah. 
All right, Lauren, well, we'll see uh, what happens this week. Uh, football, basketball will get started. That'll whet everybody's appetite, I'm sure, for yes, some, some basketball. And we'll hear from Coach Bielema today at the press conference. So we'll see yeah. what he has to say. All right. Thank you, sir. See you later. Have a good week. Sports talk tonight coming up. Scott in studio, the guys with Steve Kelly over at the Esquire. So we'll be listening for that. Back to the Brett Bielema Show on Wednesday from Papa Dell. So things getting back to normal here this week. And then going up in activity with basketball at the end of the week. WDWS Champaign-Urbana, here's the weather.